0: Through February 28th, get a choice of offers from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin,
1: like up to 24 months, no payments and no interest, or up to $1,125 off a patio door. Get details at PellaWI.com.
0: Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Well, you think you want to move to China? Well, here's the latest example of if you go to China, be prepared to give up your fix on the TV show Friends. You know, I've told this story before. Both my wife and lots of her friends are regular viewers of Friends. It is incredibly popular. You know, it's on various streaming services. It seems to me that you can't turn on cable television any time of the day or night without being able to watch episodes of Friends. But if you go to China, here, here is the deal. Apparently, Friends, the TV show, has just started streaming on various streaming services that they have in China, but there is a huge but. The versions of Friends that you watch in China are markedly different than the ones that you watch in the United States. Why? Because China has decided that friends is vulgar and needs to be edited. For example, here's the rules in China. Um, new guide, these are the guidelines. Okay. Media that shows gay relationships, it makes any reference to homosexuality, extramarital affairs, one night stands, and underage love are off limits. Uh, apparently, this is considered in China to be vulgar, immoral, and unhealthy. Um, China's guidelines say television shows shouldn't include storylines involving gay relationships, as well as other topics that, quote, exaggerate the dark side of society, end quote. How, how um, enlightened is that? Um, <clears throat> vulgar, immoral, and unhealthy content is deemed as anything referencing extramarital affairs, um, homosexuality one night stands well okay if you watch the the show friends it's all about one night stands and there's a number of references to um you know gay people and things like that so <laughs> apparently what's happening is all these episodes of friends end up getting cut up and there are um, all sorts of dialogue that ends up getting chopped out of it to the point that if you've ever watched any friends if you're going to take away you know extramarital sex if you're going going to take away one night stands if you're going to take away references to infidelity if you're going to take away references to same sex relationships I don't think you've got much left in there. So just pointing this out, if you go to China, be prepared when you go to say, hey, I'm looking for something to do this evening. I just want to kind of relax. I want to watch something from home to make myself feel more familiar. The shows that you're going to be watching, well, they'll be the same title, but they're not going to be the same show. My guess is there's some friends' shows, half-hour episodes. You take all this out, maybe you've got about four minutes of content. That's just my suggestion on this. Okay. Okay. Let us get started. Big news, of course, yesterday was you had the Super Bowl. It actually turned out to be an incredibly competitive game. Kept my attention to the end. And as I said earlier, I didn't really have a rooting interest in it, but it was close throughout. Los Angeles, you know, wins on a play in the last minute of the game. So I thought it was was good from a, a game perspective. But let's face it. For a lot of people, especially people who don't have a rooting interest or who have not bet on the game, you watch the Super Bowl for the various commercials. And I sat and I watched a lot of the commercials. Unlike some years where I had this incredibly like negative reaction that the stuff was all weird and things like that, I, I didn't have that reaction to the show. Um, to me, <clears throat> the commercials, this was essentially a passing of the torch. Moving from, you know, commercials that targeted baby boomers to commercials that targeted um, essentially millennials. A lot of stuff, you know, people who were big in the 90s and maybe the aughts and things like that. But I thought there were an interesting array of commercials. Some worked more than others let's open up the phone lines our number 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line okay what was your favorite Super Bowl commercial was there one that you found that was particularly memorable again one of the things I, I often point out is given that you know you're talking about six million bucks or so for a thirty second commercial which means you know uh, if if you're if you run a minute commercial you're talking ten million dollars or more I've always been amazed that some of them can be very, very creative, but even after you watch them, you walk away with this notion going, huh, what was that an ad for? To which I've always said, if I was going to spend $10 million for a commercial advertising my product, you would darn sure know what the product was. But what was your favorite Super Bowl commercial and why? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. All right. The best Super Bowl ad from yesterday. And I have to say, I thought that there were a number that were cute. Um, USA Today, which always does its ad meter, the ad that scored the best. Was the one with uh, Anna Kendrick for for Rocket Mortgage, and it was the one that where they had the Barbies and stuff, and it was okay. You're you're looking you're looking for your house, and you want to move into Barbie's dream house, and and this is how you're best positioned. And if you don't get this one, then you could get some of the other ones. I thought that was I thought it was clever. It took me a minute to figure out that it wasn't an ad for Barbie, that it was an ad for Rocket Mortgage. But I thought I have to admit, I I thought that that was a good one, and I thought that that was a clever one. One of the other One's that I thought was clever was the. And by the way, it, it seems to me that you know, if, if you look at the car ads, maybe maybe there was an ad for a regular car, but it seemed to me it was like all electric cars. And if you're a regular listener to this program, you know that it's going to be a long, long time before I, I buy an electric car. But it would seem to me that if you watch the Super Bowl, that was all these car makers were, were selling. That and, of course, you had all the ads for cryptocurrency. We're going to talk a little bit more about crypto in just a couple minutes. I thought the Larry David ad about how he's, portraying the guy that just says no to all these ideas. What do you mean a wheel? Okay, that that was, I thought the Larry David ad was incredibly clever. Does that mean that I would spend five bucks to buy cryptocurrency? Absolutely not. But I thought the ad was clever. 855-616-1620, my personal favorite ad. Um, I, I love the the ad for the electric Chevrolet truck, and I understand I just kind of mock the car makers for doing nothing but electric, but I love the one with Jamie Lynn Sigler, who was Meadow Soprano, and recreating the, the whole opening scene to The Sopranos. I thought that was kind of clever, trying to figure out where it goes, and then when she, you know, hugs her her brother on the TV show at the end I, I thought that was good I thought it was memorable and at least I remember that that was an ad for uh, the that was an ad for the, the Chevy electric truck not that I have any interest in buying one 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line Jeff I always enjoy Peyton Manning the Michelob beer commercial at the bowling alley was mine I thought that was very good as well Steve Buscemi you know the actor he plays the guy who's giving out the shoes and you Got all these people that are bowling, and it's an ad from Michelob Ultra. And the payoff at the end is when Serena Williams walks in. Yeah, I thought that was a. I thought that was a good ad as well. 855-616-1620, That's the iConnect Mortgage Talk and Text line. Jeff, I love the wild animals eating the Doritos and Cheetos. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I did too. I like that one as well. I thought that was a good one as well. Jeff, uh the Lay's commercial was the worst by far. They tried to be funny and completely failed. Um yeah, I I I did, didn't I didn't do a lot with that. That was the one with what like Seth, Seth Rogen and stuff. Yeah. I, the Lay's ad, that one kind of I think I agree it kind of fell flat with um me. Jeff, I like the Pringles commercial. I thought it was funny um i also thought the nfl ad with the players in the house was cute yeah i saw michael strahan on good morning america talking about that today i thought that that was i thought that that was cute as Well, Jeff, I really laughed at the Toyota truck race Super Bowl ad between the three Joneses, Tommy Lee Jones, Leslie Jones, and Rashida Jones, and the Jonas Brothers with the theme keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, that got very, very high ratings as well. People enjoyed that. Jeff, I agree. I like the bowling beer ad with Serena Williams and Peyton Manning and Steve Buscemi. That was good. Jeff, I like the ad with the baby I assume they're talking about the ad for like where the baby was giving financial advice on that. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, I'd like the robot dog in the Kia commercial. The dog was cuter than the car. That's what Maggie says. That that's another ad that's getting a lot of praise just because Okay, you know, it was again one of those sort of ads that's sort of a tear jerker in a way. You know, you want you want the ad to turn out you know, you want you want it to all turn out well. And there's a point to that as well. Jeff, I thought the baby for e trade was awesome. Interesting how people perceive different things. Jeff, I hated the Uber Eats ad. That was the ad where you had all the celebrities that were getting stuff from Uber Eats that wasn't edible. And the point was that, you know, Uber Eats now delivers all sorts of stuff beyond just food. Um, yeah, Jeff, many people miss the point of Uber ads. I, it was clever until seeing that ad. I did not know that Uber Eats delivered anything but food. Now I know it was subtle, but effective. Um, huh, Jeff, that Chevy pickup truck that uh, the Meadow Soprano character was driving, you can't buy that until fall of 2023. Why are they advertising it now? Well, I think they're trying to get you in the mood to go out and to buy those electric stuff. Um, Jeff, my favorite commercial was actually just a trailer for the new Jurassic Park. The commercials haven't been as good as they used to be, which is disappointing. As you said, if you're going to spend $7 million per 30 seconds, it's better to that be a remarkable ad. Trailer aside, the most memorable one for me was the Doritos commercial with all the animals. I didn't think that one was anything special either. Well, I think, you know, again, some people like that. The, as long as you're talking about animal ads, the Clydesdale ad, that that was just tremendous as well. And, and I think if I were advising Budweiser, I mean, every year I, I'd have a different Clydesdale ad. I think people just... Absolutely love that, Jeff. I love the commercial with Arnold and Selma electric car. Have no idea what make of the car was though. Oh, okay. Now see, here's here's where I think people really uh, disagree. One of our texts says, the 1980s graphic with the floating QR code ad for crypto was brilliant and very emblematic of what future ads are going to be. That was the one where the QR code just floated on the screen for, what, like 30 seconds. The vast majority of people hated that ad, and again, just absolutely hated the ad. They didn't understand it. They thought it was a waste of time and just – it's like, okay, what is the point of this? But there are some people out there who just absolutely loved it. Me, again, put me in the the hated category because, once again, if I'm going to spend – Six million dollars or seven million dollars or twelve million dollars. You're going to know right away what that is an ad for. In any event, I, I thought actually in general, I thought the ads were pretty good this year. I don't know that there's anyone that you're going to think back 20 years from now and say, Oh my gosh, I thought that that was great. But I thought in general they were pretty good and I think they accomplished it. Matter of fact, there were fewer ads this year that I just despise in most years I mean most years a lot of them that just, just hate I, I didn't really feel that way there were some that were more effective than others and I'm sure you're going to be seeing a lot of those over the time but the Super Bowl has now come and gone not without some degree of controversy when we come back I want to have a, offer a couple comments on the Super Bowl halftime show stick around this is WTMJ
2: this is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ <laughs>
1: Hey, wondering what 2022 will have in store? Join WTMJ this Thursday, February 17th, for a day long broadcast on the topics that impact your everyday life politics the economy that's my segment health and more big issues from big names and the biggest stick in the state it's wtmj 2022 taking place this thursday february 17th from 9 a.m to 6 p.m presented by annex wealth management and sponsored by the bartolotta restaurants find more information at wtmj.com our friend john says hey super bowl ad the one i liked the most was the one promoting the nfl one of the two kids playing a football video game and the football players in the video game came out of the TV into the home where the children lived, chased the football around the living room area, destroying, breaking, and disrupting everything. I thought it was quite amusing. Yeah, people liked that one as well. Uh, again, it's, I, it's, I, I watched the Super Bowl ads and I thought there was a degree of creativity. A couple of our texters were saying, well, I thought they were all juvenile. And, well, and I don't think it's necessarily juvenile, but there's clearly, there has been a changing of the guard. For years, what you saw is I think you saw marketing that was targeted for baby boomers And that's that's not the case anymore. I don't think you're seeing that anywhere near as much. You're seeing that this this to me was it was the millennial show. It was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna focus on people that were popular in the eighties and nineties and we're gonna do and maybe the aughts we're going after the millennials and so it's kinda like, get out of the way, baby boomers, this is what's coming. And again I you, you wouldn't I just I was struck by like all the ads for electric vehicles and stuff and you're thinking, well, Okay, maybe five or ten years from now, people are going to be buying it, but at least in the interim, only about 3% of the cars sold in the United States every year are electric vehicles. I was kind of wondering, where is the ads targeting the other 97% of the people that are going to buy cars with internal combustion engines if you can find any sort of inventory? Um, the other thing that, of course, is generating a lot of discussion was the whole notion about the, the Super Bowl halftime um show and of course this was this was the f- they've had rappers on before there's never been any question about that they've had rappers on before but this was the first show that i, I think just was a a complete rap show and of course you had Dr. Dre and you had Snoop Dogg and you had Mary Blige and you had a a number of other rappers there. I I watched the show and this might surprise some of you I I mean I I enjoy rap music not some of the hardcore stuff about the let's kill the police and the the misogynistic stuff that's there or the stuff that you know uses terms that I don't think that you should be using in society nowadays but in general I mean I I think I, I certainly understand the appeal of rap Music and I thought the show was very very well done. The two controversial elements of the show is there was a line that Dr. Dre threw in about how he, he still doesn't like the police, and some people are getting worked up from about that. But the, the truth is, this is who the guy is, and if you look at a lot of the lyrics from <laughs> back, you know, when when Dr. Dre was coming into his own, and back when you had N.W.A. and all those things, that th- this was mild compared to you know a lot of what the rap lyrics were back then. So was I surprised by it? Was I offended by it? No, it's who the guy is. The other controversy is with rapper Eminem, who... Decided at the end of the show that he was going to kneel. This was an obvious tribute or a reference to, you know, Colin Kaepernick and the guy goes down on one knee and he's down there for a while and some people thought it was inappropriate. There was some conversation about whether the NFL tried to stop him from doing that or not. NFL says no, they knew what the show was going to look like. I guess I, again, to me, This is the type of show that you get when you book, uh, you know, a rap show like that. And did I think it crossed any lines? No. I'm sure there were some people watching it thought it was overly sexualized or things like that. But, again, this – this was, just like a lot of the ads, this was a show that was geared, I think, towards millennials and stuff like that. And I, I thought, I mean, I thought it was well done for what it was. Like I say, some people today are offended by the, the kneeling or by a lyric here or there or the over sexualization of some segments. To me, though, it's this, this is what you expect when you book a show like this. And I, I think, in general, Would I say I thought it was like the best Super Bowl halftime show of all time? No. But I thought for what it was, it was pretty darn good. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One of the... Things that you noticed if you watched the Super Bowl ads yesterday what was a series of ads for cryptocurrencies. And probably the best one, and I agree, it was a very, very clever ad. Had Larry David from Seinfeld and from Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he, he really wasn't playing against type. He was the curmudgeon, and, and the thing was, he, he was in different historical eras, and people were coming up with different ideas. This is a fork. Oh, who needs a fork? This is a wheel. No, I'm not interested in it. And it was very, very clever. If you watched it, and the whole premise of this was that here, you know, all along in the history of mankind, there have been all these great ideas that are out there, and there have been always some people who just didn't understand those ideas, and so you know they they just rejected them. And of course, this was an ad for for cryptocurrencies. You will remember, I don't know, a couple months ago there were all the ads featuring Matt Damon, and it was the whole premise was here. we had all these innovations over the years. You had explorers. You know, we we went to the moon. You know, we did this. Look at the, these people that went out and they, they found new worlds and things like that. And if it weren't for these people, you know, we, we would never we would never have a lifestyle as it is now. So you should, in fact, invest in in cryptocurrency. Well, all right. I, I guess my my first reaction. To this, and I understand these celebrities are on board, and they're getting paid a lot of money. About twenty years ago, you you might remember what we we have that whole there was what they called the dot com boom. You know this whole bubble where you had all these these websites that appeared that really didn't do anything, and, and everybody was falling all over themselves to invest in them. And pretty soon, anybody that invested in them lost all the the money. You you know you had. Um, and it really was around the, the Super Bowl in you know 2000 where you had all, all these ads for places like Pets.com and things like that, which just folded pretty soon. Anybody invested in it lost lost all the dough they had. I guess I look at this whole cryptocurrency thing, and I, I look at it in the same sort of vein. Now, I know that there's some people who are invested, and in, for those of you who don't know what cryptocurrency is, long story short, there are thousands and thousands of different currencies that you can invest in. Bitcoin is probably the most famous and and what that is, it's an alternative to money. So instead of, simplest term, instead of paying for something with dollars, what you do is you pay for it with crypto coin. That's essentially it. It's an alternative money system and the idea is you find people who will, I mean, sell you things in exchange for the the cryptocurrency so it would replace dollars it would replace euros it would replace you know whatever would be out there cryptocurrency in and of itself doesn't do anything it it doesn't make automobiles it doesn't make airplanes it it doesn't provide you with streaming services it's a pure gamble in that if you buy cryptocurrency you buy you buy a bitcoin for sixty five thousand dollars you are you are betting, hoping, guessing that somebody somewhere down the line will be willing to pay you $85,000 for, for that Bitcoin, or the value will go up and you'll be able to buy some good and service for it. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acinet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, so I've, I've been watching this, and look, and I, I, I never... Tell people, you know, how to invest their money and things like that. I mean, lately, if you invested in Bitcoin just in the last month or so, you, you've just gotten killed with the way that it's dropped. But it doesn't do anything. To me, this is the ultimate example of a fool and their money being parted. And I understand there's people that are passionate about this, but I've seen this before. I've seen this with these different schemes, these get-rich-quick schemes that are out there. And I understand that you're seeing a lot of money that's being put into advertising this. I understand that add with the qr codes that if you um you know if you clicked on it you got like 15 dollars in whatever the cryptocurrency they were pushing was but all right that, that's great you got 15 bucks hopefully at least in my opinion you're not going to throw another ten thousand dollars after it if you're going to gamble my point has always been go to las vegas because at least there you get a drink and a show 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line you get to spend your money however you want, but I'm sorry, I am not convinced about cryptocurrency. And one of the things that I think is a little bit scary with all these ads that were out there is there might be some people who just say, "Oh, that, that was a really cute ad with Larry David." I, I think I'm going to spend five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars that I really don't have, and maybe you'll make some money. But I mean, there's a lot of these, there's a lot of these different cryptocurrencies that you know aren't aren't going to be around you know 2 months from now let alone 2 years from now 855-616-1620 sorry i'm not ready to put my money into this how about you 855-616-1620 we discuss
2: welcome back to jeff wagner on WTMJ 855-616-1620 i you
1: know if if you want to invest in cryptocurrencies bitcoin whatever i mean that, that that's fine I just to me this it, it strikes me as a giant pyramid scheme and sooner or later people are gonna get wise to it. It kinda of reminds me well, I, I was using the whole dot com bubble example that, that really burned people about twenty years ago, right about the same time. I always remember the, the whole Y two K stuff and back then, just to kind of refresh people's recollection, the argument was that once we turn to the year two thousand, that the computer systems that we have are aren't going to be able to to read it they're not going to be able to tell that that we've moved from 1999 to 2000 and the argument was computers are going to stop working and, and essentially airplanes were going to fall out of the sky the electric grid would collapse and this was there were all these smart people who touted this or at least supposedly smart people who touted this and a lot of them were, were selling the doomsday stuff the idea that okay the grocery the, the whole supply chain is going to break down you're not going to be able to buy groceries you're not going to be able to get gasoline etc so what you need to do is you need to build like a miniature bomb shelter in your basement and you need to stock it with all this dry food and stuff because we're going to be living in uh, again we're going to be living like in caveman times, so we try to figure this out and of course the only people that may and i remember talking to people about it who were just absolutely positive that this was what was going to happen and most of those people were the ones that were selling the bottled water and the power the, the freeze dried food and things like that i guess i i just look at this stuff and my philosophy is that if first of all if i don't understand it and secondly, I, I don't invest in it. But secondly, if, if it doesn't do anything, I mean, if it doesn't make something, if it doesn't provide something, if it doesn't offer a service, I, I don't, I don't understand why you would invest in it. Otherwise, it's just a pure gamble. You're hoping that, you know, somebody else is going to think that it's, it's worth more and will pay you more. And, and maybe that's going to be the case, but historically, I don't think it works, um, off. Jeff, no matter how you talk how much you talk about Bitcoin, I still don't get it. Well I think there's, you know, a, a lot of that that's out there. Jeff, crypto's draw is a weak dollar. Problem is no company recognizes it, so you walk the plank when you buy it. Jeff, back in November, Aaron Rodgers and Cash App had a promotion where Rogers was sending a portion of Bitcoin to new users of the app. It was worth around $9.98 at the time. Today it's worth $6.74. Not a great return if you ask me. Jeff, I would ask all those celebrities who are pushing this to trade in all their cash for crypto and see how many of them would do it. Jeff, cryptocurrency to me is simply another type of pyramid scheme. The first in win, the people who are in first wins, go with God if you want to, but most will lose money. I get that. And then, Jeff, it's just like the Super Bowl halftime show that you discussed. It wasn't geared for you. I think you're being very short-sighted to think at some point in our future, there won't be an alternative money source. Well, there, there might be a need for an alternative money source at some point in time in the very, very distant future, but does that mean that I want to assume that, oh, in the near future, that if I take... I don't know, 42, what is it? It's, what's Bitcoin now? Around 45 grand or something. It's down from 68,000 not that long ago. But that I want to take all this, this money that I know I can do stuff with. I can do a lot with 45 or $50,000. Do I want to take that and invest it in the hope that this particular cryptocurrency at some point in time in the near or the distant future might be worth more? No, no, sorry. Until my mortgage company starts taking cryptocurrency, I, I think I'll, I'll stick with um, greenbacks. I mean, no question about it. Jeff, you also have to play have places where you buy stuff, um, or where you buy stuff with it. Only a handful take Bitcoin, and none of the other different thousands of it. Yeah, eight five five six one six one six twenty. Dan in Port Washington. Dan, you're on WTMJ.
2: Uh, thanks for having me call, Jeff. Um, sure. Just a couple of points of clarification. Been in Bitcoin myself for a few years. I bought it at 9,000, not 48. Uh, the founders of well, Bitcoin...
1: But right now it's in the 40s. and say it, say, Well, wait, just so we're clear, it was in the 60s. I bought it at
2: 9,000, okay. Okay. Right, no, but it
1: was in the 60s a month ago. Now it's in the 40s.
2: Right, 68. I, I know all that, but you're, you're yeah. unclear about several things. The founders of Bitcoin, it said, never put more money into it that you can afford to lose you're not communicating that second they have said only invest in a token that solves a problem and has a good development team number two they said there's a lot of fakes out there they're going to steal people's money number three the internal Revenue service jeff you don't know this let me finish in 2014 said bitcoin is treated as a property for tax purposes not mm-hmm. currency, sold after 12 months and one day long term. And lastly, the SEC, you're probably not aware of, came down like a hard uh, ton of bricks on some young 30-year-olds, confiscated 70,000 Bitcoin that they did some uh, nefarious activity with in 16. stole it, now they have long jail sentences. So you think, all this Wild West nonsense, um, I've got news for you that um, we understand there are new developments, but With a key word, I try to tell myself and clients, never invest more than you can lose. And if there's a token, for example, like decentralized finance, you must understand what it's trying to do and not try to guess and play games and borrow for this. That's unacceptable behavior. And I don't know if you've heard of a company called... um, you know, Mass Mutual, an old line insurance company, hundred sixty year old. They put a hundred million in Bitcoin a year and a half ago. Um, if they're so ignorant, if they're so audacious with their money, why would they put a hundred million dollars? With an old line insurance company called Mass Mutual into it. Um, end well, I,
1: I pre- okay, Dan, you you, yeah. you made it, you made the selling point on this. Thanks for the call. But I, I'm telling you, for, first of all, I don't know about the Mass Mutual thing. I, look, I understand this is the flavor of the month, and I clearly agree that nobody should ever invest more than they can afford to lose. But I'd say the same thing about, true, if you want to go to Las Vegas and take some money and you want to put it all on red or you want to put it all on green. I mean, here's the bottom line. You've got all these different cryptocurrencies that are out there, and most of them aren't going to be around a year from now, much less two years from now. Again, I just, if it doesn't do anything, to me, it's just, its if it does nothing, it doesn't make anything. It doesn't offer you any sort of services. To me, it's just a pure gamble. Now, if you want to gamble with your money, and that, that's great. If you got in on the ground floor and you bought Bitcoin at nine thousand dollars, okay, that that that's great. Um, what about the people now? that, again, if you bought it two months ago, it was $68,000 per one Bitcoin. Now it's down somewhere into 45,000. You know, the the people that get in on the ground floor of pyramid schemes always are the ones that do okay, and and, and that's fine. I just wonder where this is. If people want to do it, my cautionary tale is make sure you understand what it is that you're doing. Make sure you understand what the risks are and make sure you understand how you're going to be able to get out of this. Now I understand, I get this, oh you just don't You don't get it, this is the wave of the future. Well I, I've seen a lot of waves of the future. I, I saw the, the dot com bubble and, and I saw all the people that ended up losing their money in that and if you can afford to lose the stuff, okay, you, you want to take a risk, that, that's great. You know, go ahead and do it. I'm just saying. For me, uh, no, no way am I. No, no way. And like I say, if if even if it's a situation where don't invest more than you can afford to lose. For me, I will. Um, I, there's a lot more fun ways if I want to just gamble my money. There's a lot. that I can do, Jeff. You can't call it investing. This is. Um, gambling um jeff i will take dan to breakfast any day at my favorite spot i'm wondering which of us will actually get to eat a meal that we can pay for i'm guessing i'm going to be buying dan's breakfast with real life american currency um yes sir jeff all the old people need to open their eyes the country is changing in the super bowl ads we're bringing it to a national audience well oh, okay i've I've heard all that before. I understand that the country is changing and maybe there will come a time where you know we decide that we we don't want dollars, we don't need dollars, and there's this whole universe out there that says that there's this need to traffic in this other stuff that um, doesn't do anything constructively but has a value. If you want to invest in it, like I say, great. But just because Matt Damon and just because Larry David are saying this is the wave of the future. I would be a little bit cautious with this, um, but it's your money. Go with God if you want to make the investments. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. Yeah, what the caller was referring to is about a year ago, um, Mass Mutual, which is you know an insurance company, their investor services, they... Um, they started offering investors an access to a Bitcoin fund so you could invest in that. And, um, you know, that's... That's great um, if, if you want to. They're providing this service. I'm just saying I think people need to be really, really careful when they're going down this route. Hey, Jeff, your caller said that when Bitcoin started, it was stressed, don't invest more than you can afford to lose. I didn't see any of that in the commercial last night. Um, I, again, I, if, if, if you want to take these chances, that, that's that's all well and good. I'm just saying that for me... I'm in a position where I got to understand stuff and I, I think I'm a reasonably bright guy and I've got to understand stuff and I, I understand companies and maybe I think the companies are going to be successful you know, or, or not and and some companies, maybe I didn't perceive for example that Amazon was going to take off like it did, but at least Amazon, you know, does something. They offer, they offer a service. They provide you with an ability to order goods. Bitcoin is just a pure investment play, at least right now. You are betting that the value that you buy a Bitcoin for is going to go up. It's not like they're making cars or anything, and you're hoping that the currency that you're investing in is going to be one of those that, that actually makes it. There's thousands and thousands of different cryptocurrencies that are out there. I guess five or ten years from now, will turns out to be right, and if I have end up missing the, the next big thing, that's Okay. Um, I also know that I understand where my money is going. And like I say, if I want to gamble it, I'm going to take it to Las Vegas where I at least get a drink and a show. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right. Let's go where angels fear to tread. I have a rhetorical question. For some Wisconsin Republicans, that question is are you bat crap crazy? I I, I just at some points in time, I, I understand that you know that there are inter party disputes and I understand that, you know, you, you have For example, over the years there's been like a tax and spend crowd in the Republican Party and there's been people, no new tax and things like that. And I understand that that, and I think that's good and I think that's healthy. But every once in a while you have these things that happen that to me make me wonder whether some people are just flat out nuts and there's no other way to describe this. Now some of you aren't going to like to hear this, but you need to. All right. Robin Voss, who is the Speaker of the Assembly. Matter of fact, I sent out a tweet about this over the weekend. Um, I've known Robin Voss since he was a legislative aide back back in the day. I I think, you know, you can agree with Voss on stuff or disagree with him, but but here's the bottom line. I, I think over the last 10 to 12 years, With the possible exception of Scott Walker, there's nobody in Wisconsin who's been more instrumental in advancing a conservative agenda than Robin Voss. That's just the truth. When you had the whole dispute over Act 10, he was the guy that held the Republican legislature together. He had, at least in the assembly, he's been one of, I, I think, the leading lights and he's taken a lot of stuff. For it, he, he's just despised by by people on the left because he's been able to push a conservative agenda in Wisconsin, or alternatively, in the era of Tony Evers, he's been able to successfully block a lot of the really most liberal instincts of Tony Evers. And even with the Democrat governor to, you know, come up with, I, I think, a reasonable budget stuff. So that's Robin Voss. Well, in the Republican Party right now, there are factions that want to dump Robin Voss. We got to get rid of Voss. Why do you want to get rid of Voss? Well, it's Because they don't think he's done enough to overturn the results of the 2020 election, to which I want to say, just give me strength. I am convinced that there are some people out there who have just flat out lost their minds. So into this, Wade's a state representative, his name is Timothy Rantham, from from Campbellsport and and the. Look, I have no problem with people running in primaries and stuff. He's just announced he's going to run for governor. His agenda... And his driving motivation is he wants to overturn the 2020 election. He, he, he's pushing to decertify the results. At his campaign kickoff over the weekend, the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, shows up, and, and he starts telling the, the crowd there that, okay, that we can, if Rantham gets elected governor, we can shift Wisconsin's electoral votes to Donald Trump more than a year after the uh, election. I mean, what exactly? I mean, th- th- this is the, the the premise that we're going to decertify the results of the election a year ago, and then somehow restore Donald Trump to power. Okay, let me let me just kind of describe this in one word, two syllables: crazy. It's just this is crazy talk. Now, I understand that there are some people out there who have. Issues with the election, and, and I've, I've tried to articulate this as best I can w- without trying to appeal to the the lunatic fringe out there. The, Joe Biden won the election in Wisconsin. You, you need to understand that. Secondly, Joe Biden is not going to be removed as the President of the United States. We're, we're not going to go back and redo the 2020 election. If Joe Biden is out as the President of the United States, it's because the voter, he either steps down or the voters decide to oust him in 2024. But obsessing about the 2020 election is just the, these different like wacky conspiracy theories get you nowhere. Was the election perfectly run in Wisconsin? Well, I don't know. There's all sorts of legal questions that are out there, and they're working its way through the courts right now. But there's no evidence of fraud. There's no evidence that 50,000 people voted for uh, Donald Trump but the ballots the ballots showed up for Joe Biden there's just no evidence of doing that and going down that route makes you seem like you are crazy and if you seriously believe that well, people are going to wonder whether you are crazy or not. So you have this guy who's now running for governor and the whole premise of this is we need to decertify the the election and here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to focus on this and and we've got to figure out a way to get Donald Trump back into office. And, you know, this is our our big roadblocks here are Robin Voss, who hasn't embraced the conspiracy craziness enough and Assembly Majority Leader Jim Steineke, who's been, gosh, you want to talk about somebody who shepherded a lot of good stuff through. Oh, okay, th- that's it. But they're establishment Republicans, supposedly, and and they don't support this. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, anybody gets to run for any office. I don't think there's any problems with contested primaries. But there is a segment of the, I don't know if it's even the Republican Party out there, which is just has lost its mind and and You want to look at what's going on and what this election in 2022 should be about. Well, it should be about, you know, inflation. What are the numbers that are out there? You know, the average American has lost $250 in the last month alone in buying power because of inflation. You've got the issues with regard to the COVID response. We're lockdowns the way to go. You've got the, you know, the mask mandates that have been in effect. Are they the way to go? There's so many different issues that are out there. And now apparently the Republicans have a candidate that wants to base the campaign on we've got to overturn the 2020 election. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. 616 1620 That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What's going on? The only person that benefits from, from stuff like this is Tony Evers and other indep- and independent voters who might look at this and say, he wants to overturn the 2020 election? They want to decertify this stuff? This is, I mean news to people this is twenty twenty two you've got an election coming up in nine months or so and there's all sorts of issues and we're still looking in the rearview mirror have everybody has everybody lost their mind eight five five six one six one six twenty alright let's discuss this I I swear I'm reading these stories over the weekend there's three hundred people at this high school thing and they're being cheered on when the guy from my pillow talks about how we can overturn the results and we need this guy to decertify the elections and thinking what are you talking about? Has everybody lost their mind? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I- I'm sorry. I'm-, I'm done with the nuts. I'm done with the craziness that's out there. And-, and now you have a guy who's running as one of the Republican candidates for governor on a platform that is pure out of out-and-out nuts. (laughs) <laughs> the, the premise is: elect me as governor. I will figure out a way to decertify the 2020 election results. Robin Voss, he's not conservative enough for me. Jim Steinicky, they're not conservative enough for me. Here, we're going to decertify the election results, and somehow we're going to take away Wisconsin's 10 electoral votes from uh, from Biden, and then that's going to start this movement. And next thing you know, Donald Trump will be pulled from mar a and he'll be restored in the White House. That's nuts and 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 you you just wish somebody would come out there and say this is this is nuts. Now again, people can run on any premise they want, but at some point in time, don't we need to have some sort of reality check? 855-616-1620. Um let's start with Scott in South Milwaukee.
3: Hi Scott. Good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, my yeah, th- this all starts with the leadership at the top of the state of Wisconsin Republican Party. And I'm talking about Paul Farrow. Paul Farrow has been repeatedly been interviewed on various outlets and asked this very question. And all that he does is he plays footsie with the issue, whatever, and saying that our goal is to get to August 10th, whatever, get a candidate, whatever, to run up against, against Tony Evers. But Rebecca Clayfish, Kevin Nicholson, Jonathan Wickman, and now Rand, this Rankin guy, they're all, they're, they are all they all—they all have the same ideas and philosophy on this topic and nobody wants to confront it, whatever, and act like and act like an adult. My take is that the Republicans need to come up with a with a center right candidate, whatever, to run to run against Evers. Because if they don't come up with a center right candidate to run up against Evers, their 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 max number of votes that they're going to get in a statewide general election is forty five percent.
1: Well, thanks to call. I mean, look, I, here I I, I don't. I don't hear Rebecca Clayfish or I, I, I talking about how. I mean, one of my goals is going to be to certify the election. This is this is clearly out there on on a fringe. But, but I agree, it's time for people, see, part of the problem is, you, you have this lunatic fringe, yeah, I said lunatic fringe, that, that's out there, and you have people that are afraid to confront them, I agree with that as, as a premise, because, oh, we we don't want to upset part of the, the Trump faction of the party, well, okay, I, I, I think that the tent has to be broad enough to say, let's focus on, on these issues that are out there, but if, if that means saying, okay, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to overturn the 2020 election, that I'm sorry. I keep going back to the premise. That's crazy. You know, that is something that is just crazy. And whether it's Paul Fair or whatever, it, people need to start coming out and saying this is this is nuts. You know, yeah, we'll we'll look at the elections and are there things that we can do to improve the elections? And do we need a ruling as to whether or not you can have absentee the, the drop boxes or things like that's all fair. I mean, I think th- those are fair issues. But th- this craziness that's there about how we're going to decertify the election at some At some point in time, you just want to say, don't you understand that is not going to happen? And, and don't you understand that talking about this, every breath you spend discussing this takes you away from the significant issues that resonate with people, the pocketbook issues and the, the issues about, again, what, what was the harm that was done by the lockdown? You know, what, what's going to happen next if there's another COVID outbreak that's out there? All those different things. What are you going to do about inflation? Those, those are the issues. What about, the failures to get people unemployment insurance in their unemployment claims paid in a reasonable fashion. These are all issues that are valid issues. They're things that people care about as opposed to I'm going to try to decertify the twenty twenty election. I just I, I look at this stuff and I admit I want to pull my hair out because it's not productive and I'm repeating myself. It's crazy. Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ.
0: Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you?
1: Hi Mike. Good. What do you think
0: um, I you are absolutely 100 percent correct it I mean, they're wasting so much time and energy I mean that's I mean I'm, I'm a Republican but it's because of the basic ideals of the Republican Party why I'm a Republican and they are yeah. not going after those they need to say those They, you know and there are same Republican I don't want to say insane but I mean there are Republicans who hold this Mitch McConnell's a perfect example and unfortunately though Like the fringe is out in you know, every state and it's just, it's just hurting the party. I mean, they need to change their rhetoric and go after the issues that do matter like inflation. But I just right now, I don't see that happening.
1: No, I, I I don't either, and and I guess I mean I understand part of it is that there's this this core group, there's this cult of personality that exists around Donald Trump, and so there, there's people that just feed on on this, and of course he feeds on the whole thing, the idea that the election was stolen and that type of stuff. So you've got that that all going on. So it's that cult of personality. Um, which and some Republicans, I guess, are the mainstream Republicans who are afraid to alienate, you know, that that percentage that's so right. into Trump. But at some point in time, you, you exactly. got to stand up to the craziness, don't you?
0: Yeah, you got to you got to do something different. You got to separate yourself from it, and you can only hope that they come around. Um, but you know, and I, I know this has been talked about. But if there was any evidence that there was, you know, the elections were fraudulent, I would have been protesting too. But there weren't any. I mean, Trump's own attorney general said there weren't any. So I just I don't know what else to do.
1: No. Thanks for the call, Mike. And, and then I mean, okay. So so th- this is the premise. This weekend, okay. This guy, his premise of running for governor. Think about this. Is all right. If you elect me governor in November of 2022, I will take office in January of 2023. I am going to figure out a way to try to decertify the results of the 2020 election, and then if you take that 10 votes away, well, okay, maybe if Arizona and Michigan and a couple other places do this. I I mean, all right, and, and then, then you're already into 2024. A- again, Just it's just this kind of crazy train that, that you hop on. I mean, why aren't we talking about inflation? Why aren't we talking about crime? Why aren't we talking about, you know, what happened in Kenosha and the adequacy of Evers' remedies? There are so many issues that are out there that will resonate with people, and we're obsessing about this, well, gee, was the election stolen from Donald Trump or not? I mean, give... I, I, get a mop. My head is ready to explode with this stuff. John in Campbellsport. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
4: Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Mom. Hi, John. Hey, um, <laughs> hey Jeff. Uh, do you think, Jeff, that uh, some of these people uh, just getting into election, like this guy in Campbellsport here, he knows he probably doesn't have a shot in heck of winning because you're not going to be able to produce mon- as much money as Clayfish and Nicholson, but do you think he's just doing it to further his own agenda? When he comes up for re-election out here in Campbellsport, he can say that he stood up to the establishment or he stood up to, you know, and he wants to change the election. I mean, out I, here in Campbellsport, I, I, there's Trump 2024 signs all over the place. And, you know, forget Biden and whatever else. Yeah, I mean, he's just going to yeah. play on his own base.
1: Yeah, thanks thanks for calling. I mean, I'm sure there's some of that. I, I will tell you from the perspective of somebody who ran for statewide office a long time ago, it's a lot of work. And, I mean, it's a lot of work to, to do this, to, to, to make this kind of commitment. And if this is your premise that I want to decertify the election, okay, that's a remedy for, the, look, that's a 10% solution. That's a 10 or 15% solution in a Republican primary. Because even the most, I think, hardcore, unless, unless you're firmly in the, gee, I, I think January 6th was, you know, a, a media creation a fake thing unless you're way down that rabbit hole that this is this is not something that ordinary people even ordinary conservatives are going to go out and vote for so I mean I don't know what the motivation is is it uh, I mean I guess you, you help your base maybe, and you maybe uh, put yourself in a better position to be reelected to the state legislature um, by appealing to the, the fringe. But th- this is just the fringe stuff. And this is, it, look, it's larger than this one particular candidate who's who's not going to go anywhere he's going to get a disproportionate amount of media attention because most people on the left and the right recognize that this is, is crazy and so that the media is going to jump on this and see see oh, there's all these republicans that out there that are, that are crazy so it'll play into that media template and it will benefit tony evers to that extent but i guess when I when I sit there and I think, okay, the, the basis of this campaign is we want to go after Robin Voss and Jim Steinecke w- without any recognition of the fact that, like I say, Robin Voss has been one of the leaders of the conservative, re- he's gotten all sorts of heat from people on the left, he is despised by the way that he has advanced the conservative agenda, but now because he doesn't completely... Go down the rabbit hole on this craziness, uh, and, and I think he's gotten some criticism for allowing, for example, this Gableman investigation to go as far as it is. You want to talk about a no-win situation. That's the boss's case. You get heat from all sorts of people for even uh, allowing this investigation to go on but then because you haven't embraced the really, really nutty aspects of it you get heat from that side either it's just a complete no-win situation well, I say no-win because that's not true guys like Tony Evers well, they're just uh, they're thrilled to see all this happen again, what happened over the weekend just mind-boggling to me and I think, you know I try to to build this show as being, you know sensible conversation for sane people and it's time for more sane people to just kind of step up and say, this is nuts. And, and we don't care if it upsets Donald Trump. It's nuts. He lost the election. If he wants to prepare to run for 2024, we'll go with God. But we're not going to keep rehashing 2020. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. <laughs>
1: Well, another weekend, the the, the crime problem in Milwaukee not getting any better. I was looking at the the totals that they have on the Milwaukee Police Department crime statistics map. Um, Year-to-date, 31 homicides, and I think that does not include what happened over the weekend. This time last year, 14. It, it just, it's just staggering. I mean, last year was an all-time high in murders, uh, topping the year before, which was an all-time high, and we have more than twice as many murders year to date. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to continue at these numbers, but but if it does, you're going to be looking at over 250 homicides in the mean streets of Milwaukee. And by the way, there is a mayoral election tomorrow, and I don't know if you've heard it, but there's, there's some candidates that are talking seriously about crime, like Bob Donovan, and there are other candidates who are saying, well, you know, we we, we need to figure out more social services and things like that. Well, okay, you might need more social services, but right now, Milwaukee, there are killing fields in Milwaukee, and the sense of urgency when it comes to crime, well, a lot of those candidates just don't seem to have it. Motor vehicle theft, last year, like I say, 10,480 cars stolen, staggering number, uh, this time last year, 1,086. Year to date, 1140. There's more cars being stolen on the streets of Milwaukee this year, year to date, than there were last year. And last year was an all-time record by about 50%. Unbelievable what is going on. So when voters go to the polls tomorrow, you under- have to understand that there's, there's one issue that I think dominates all the others, and that, that's crime. And I I think if I were a voter in the city of Milwaukee, that's what I would be looking at, because there's some of these candidates out there who I don't know it's fair to say soft on crime, but they have no intention of trying to do whatever you need to do to get the criminals off the street and keep them off the street. And there's a handful of candidates that might just might move the other way. So we'll see. If you hadn't heard the story again, and I know we were talking about this in the news, 15-year-old Milwaukee girl died Sunday afternoon. She was shot by a twenty three year old. The shooting happened about two o'clock in the afternoon on North Sixty Fifth Street and was the result of an argument. Twenty three year old guy shoots a fifteen year old girl. She she's dead. Um it just it's just staggering. Staggering to me that, you know, you have this number of deaths and this number of juveniles. Then of course For everybody who thinks that we've got a handle on reckless driving, au contraire, Milwaukee police seeking an unknown suspect who struck and killed a 41-year-old woman with a vehicle Sunday morning shortly before 6 a.m., the 1100 block of West Atkinson Avenue. Pedestrian, again, 41-year-old woman who was crossing the street. Car hits her and drives off. So far, the police do not have any suspects. Hopefully, they'll be able to solve this. But again, (laughs) it's... If, if you drive a car in the city of Milwaukee, you take your life into your own hands. If you cross the street in the city of Milwaukee, you take your life in your own hands. If you are on the street in the city of Milwaukee, you take your life into its hands. How much more of this stuff are we going to see before people say just uh, enough is enough? 41-year-old lady, 6 o'clock in the morning, she's crossing the street, she's hit. And, of course, we now know what happens when this stuff occurs. People just, just run off. I, I don't know who's going to be the driver of the car but if it turns out to be some juvenile in a stolen car it won't be a surprise because it almost always does turn out to be a juvenile in a stolen car okay let us completely switch gears something on a little bit of the lighter side there was a story that caught my attention in the Washington Post the other day and it raises the question of what do you owe if anything people who provided services to you over the years now we are, are, everybody's I think familiar with the term ghosting and, and ghosting what, what you hear a lot of times is that's in the context of, of people who dated you know maybe you know you, you've gone out on a date with somebody or two or three dates and then they, they say they'll call you and, and they never do and they stop answering your emails and and you just you get ghosted they' they're, they're gone. They're, they're in the ether, and you never hear from them again. So that, that happens with, you know, relationships all the time. Well, the question is, let's say you've had a long-term relationship with your barber, your hairdresser. Maybe um, the guy that the guy or gal that you work out with at the gym, your your personal trainer, I don't know, your your massage therapist, your chiropractor, you know, whatever. One of these people that you've had an ongoing relationship with over the last couple of years, and finally you decide for whatever reasons. It's it's time to move on. Maybe you, maybe you just decided, hey, I, I don't want to keep spending the money. Maybe it's that uh, you've decided, you know, I, I I like to go to this person, but you know, I don't think I'm really getting that great a haircut, so now I'm going to switch. Or you know, I found somebody that's closer, so I'm going to go there. Or I just I, I just I think I need a change. So let's say you are ready to move on. Well, here's the question: Do you believe that you owe it to your former barber or workout guy or or personal trainer or massage therapist or whatever do you feel you owe it to them to call them or go in and see them in person and explain that you're moving on and, and tell them that you are or is it sufficient to just say okay this is a business relationship i i just i'm let's take an example of a hairdresser or a barber or whatever you know you just you just don't call again you know you you've had the last appointment you paid them for their services and then you just go somewhere else do you owe them an explanation 855 616 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line all right if you decide that you're going to make a change do you owe it to the person that you're changing from to call them up and to tell them that you're doing that and maybe explain why 855-616-1620 we discuss in just a moment if you uh, stick around this is Jeff Wagner
0: welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ
1: 855-616-1620 let's start with Jeff and Sheboygan ok Jeff you decide you're going to break up with whoever uh, do you owe them an explanation
5: yeah no it's funny we were talking I was talking about this uh, with some friends recently I have a hair person that cut my hair and although she did a really good job, she's got the most annoying laugh and she smokes and I just one day said I'm not going back anymore but the reality is she needs to figure it out and reach out to me obviously and figure out why I'm not going there anymore.
1: okay so, so if she called you up, um, and said, "You know, why why aren't you coming back to me? W- would you tell her it was because she had an annoying laugh?" <laughs> uh,
5: no, I would <laughs> I would probably just say, "You know what? I I, I have a friend that referred right. me to somebody, and I really like the way they do it." I i in in that in that sense, I probably wouldn't. Right.
3: The term would be true. I guess I'm not truthful enough on that.
5: Well,
1: no, no, no. But you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. But okay, I got it. Thanks for the call. No. Appreciate it. Eight five five. I get it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I guess I look at this and say, I, I think as from a business sense, I guess I, I think this is different than a relationship sort of thing where there's this expectation. To me, you know, you you make an appointment with the massage therapist or the physical trainer or, or whatever. And you go in and they provide you with the, the service that you then pay them for. I guess I don't think you, you have an obligation to tell them, you know, why it is that you're leaving. And, and in many cases, just like he was talking about, you're probably not going to be honest with that in the first, I mean, so, so what, what if you decide, you know, I've been going to this hairdresser and, The truth is, I haven't been happy with the job she's doing. So, okay, are are you going to call her up and say, I found somebody better? I mean, you know, that's... The, w- w- what does that get you, I guess? I mean, by, by, all that does is it, it ends up u- upsetting them and stuff. And I, I understand, you know, maybe whether it's the hairdresser or the massage therapist or, or whatever would, would like to know in a way, but most people I don't think are, are going to be honest about that. Jeff, the girl that cut my hair moved 20 miles further, um, so I, I just, it was... Time to get my hair cut, I, I just she moved, and so it just wasn 't convenient anymore. Well, I guess in that particular situation, you, you could call up and you could say just it 's too long to travel, um, but but do you have an obligation to do that? No, Jeff, not a barber, but I just had to cancel our annual trip to an rV park i couldn 't tell her it was because we wanted to try a new place, so I said we may return the following year instead jeff it 's simple courtesy to let them know and not leave them hanging or wondering. Always wondering is worse than knowing. Now, see, I just, I, I, mean, I just disagree with that. I mean, I, I don't know if you, or you, you got a personal trainer, and for whatever reason, you just, you, you're not getting what you think you need out of it. I don't know that. I, I don't know that you call them up and say, well, I, I just don't think you're doing a good enough job. I mean, how does, how does that help? As a matter of fact, I think it creates perhaps bad feelings. Um, Jeff, I had a massage therapist who basically bugged me over and over again why I quit coming back. Um, so I would suggest not to ghost. Um, well, okay, that that then means you're going to have the confrontation of calling them and telling them why you're not coming back. Jeff, I think it depends on the situation. Example, long-time customer, Sure, Jeff, unless you are in a committed relationship or a contract, you don't have to explain anything to anyone. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know I mean you, you want to be sensitive to people's feelings and you, and you don't want to hurt them but unlike a, a personal relationship, I think if it's a if it's a business relationship, I don't think you have an obligation to explain, particularly if the explanation, isn 't going to really accomplish anything and and by the way, I mean, I guess I would look at this and say that this is where you 've already decided to move on if there's if there's a situation where for example you're unhappy. With the service, but not ready to move on, that's the time to have the conversation. You know, I'd really, I, I just, I haven't been happy with the way you're, you're cutting my hair. I'm not sure you want to say that to somebody that's got sharp objects around your face, but, but that's the time you have that conversation. Or, you know, I, it's just, I really haven't been getting as much out of this as, as I thought. You, you do it before the relationship is over. But once you've made the decision to move on, I, I don't know that I think that you have an obligation to call the person up and explain why that is. And I from the perspective of, I don't know, the person that's providing the, the services, you say on the other hand on the one hand they're they're left wondering, well, after a while you get the idea that for whatever reason the customer's not coming back and I don't know, the customer calling up and saying, Well, I didn't come to you because you charged too much money, or I didn't come to you because I, I haven't liked the job that you were doing. I don't know. I think that might result in harder feelings. So Do do I think you, in personal relationships, just kind of disappearing and not telling people? That's one thing. But the business relationship, I guess, I I think it's different. Um, Jeff, I would think I would let them know that I'm interested in maybe getting a second person or trying something different and then go from there. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that necessarily makes the massage therapist feel any better, that, hey, I'm thinking about trying somebody else, and maybe I'll be back to you. I I don't know. In any event, I, I think that there's... Some people think that there's a better way than ghosting and that what you should do is just always be honest and have these disclosures. That, that's all well and good, but a lot of times just nothing good can, can come of it. I mean, somebody was asking me the other day, it was in a different context, they said, hey, have you reached out and, you know, asked some so-and-so about this? And I said, nope. They said, why not? I said, because nothing good can come of it. Just absolutely nothing good can come from this. And they said, you know what, I, I think you're right. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ and this is jeff wagner this week's sponsor for the wagner home improvement showcase presented by great midwest bank is pella windows and doors of wisconsin contact them at 920-291-3800 or visit pellawi.com to learn about the pella promise and to set up a free consultation that's pella windows and doors of wisconsin pella now pay Later, don't know if you saw it, and I understand there's a lot of stuff going on on the weekend and people are obviously paying attention to the the Super Bowl and people are focused on what's going to happen in Ukraine and things like that, but um, there there was another celebrity passing in a way, and this um, Ivan Reitman, and, and Ivan Reitman, maybe you've heard the name or maybe you haven't, but Ivan Reitman was instrumental in a lot of the entertainment for those of us, us baby boomers that were out there. He was the producer of Animal House, which I continue to believe is one of the best comedy movies of all time. He also um, was the director of Ghostbusters, the 1984 film, um, which kind of launched that entire thing, he was involved in a lot of other great movies as well. You know, so you had Ghostbusters that were there. He was involved with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito and Twins. He directed Meatballs, which was Bill Murray's first movie. Um, his son is is Jason Reitman, who went on there, but uh, who went on to to do star in a lot of things as well. But um, you know, Reitman, but um, but Reitman, but yeah, but Ivan Reitman was just really a, a powerhouse figure when it came to, you know, movies, you know, starting in the 70s, but also for, you know, generations after that. He was involved in Kindergarten Cop with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the political comedy Dave, uh, Seven Days, Seven Nights with uh, Harrison Ford, and and a number of other ones as well. He produced uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, too. So the guy was, again, a a huge influence on these movies, and he, he passed away at home at the age of 75. He's one of these people who you know maybe it's not a household name but he certainly behind the scenes was responsible for a lot of very very successful movies boy it just seems on a regular basis that a lot of 2022 has not been kind to you know people in hollywood etc just a lot of people have have left us and maybe it's just a situation where a lot of these big stars are getting to that certain age where you know once you get into your upper 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s it's just those are the things that are happening but it certainly seems to me that in 2022 we've ended up losing more than our share of performers and Ivan Reitman passes away over the weekend do yourself a favor and go back and uh, watch the original Ghostbusters and and you'll see what just a movie that was so incredibly creative and, in many respects, way ahead of its time. And um, I think a lot of that is traced to the brilliance of Ivan Reitman, who, again, passes away over the weekend at the age of 75. A lot of stuff coming up in the next hour of the program, including Quick Trip, Baseball, the Olympics, and much, much more. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I I do not mean to be Donnie Downer on a a Monday afternoon, but I, I don't think you can understate what's going on in Ukraine enough. To me, this is the most significant threat to world peace? Since, since the end of, of the Cold War, and it, it's playing out in, in real time, the president of Ukraine has just announced that he has been informed that Russia plans to invade on Wednesday, February 16th. Now, I didn't say where that information was coming from. The U.S. intelligence sources late last week said they were afraid that the the – that the invasion of Ukraine by Russia might occur before the end of the Olympics, maybe by the end of this week. So regardless of how you're looking at it, a lot of really smart people who are saying, okay, they think this invasion is gonna happen at any time. Uh, Russia, which had 100,000 troops massed on the border, has apparently now increased that to 130,000 troops near the Ukrainian border with tanks, infantry, Fighting vehicles, rocket launchers, and other military equipment that they've moved um, to to the the border. Um, in addition, they've got their surface to air missiles that are out there. And apparently, the reports are they're moving their their medical personnel towards the front line as well, which is what you would do if you are in fact planning an invasion. The U.S. Has issued a statement, and we talked about that at the end of last week. All U.S. citizens need to get out, and they've made it clear that they're not—they're not coming to get you. We're not coming to get you if you're still there. Um, embassies have been evacuated. Um, the embassy, the U.S. embassy, has—it's it's only essential people now, and it's now—it's being moved like 340 miles west, etc. Um, you have a number of other. Countries like Great Britain is is pulling their troops out of Ukraine so they don't get caught in a shooting war, etc. So it it looks very much like an invasion is imminent. Now, who knows what Vladimir Putin is going to do? You've got the French president who's been running back and forth trying to broker a deal. You've got the German president who might have a little more sway with Putin than uh, other people because you've still got this pipeline. I mean, Germany buys all this natural gas from, from Russia, and presumably if there were some sort of... I don't know conflict that that could affect that. but the, the German president appears to be frustrated. Uh, Chancellor appears to be frustrated with with what's going on. and I think the comment we had in the news was he's saying that there's no reason to have 130,000 troops massed on on the border. But whether it's Wednesday or Friday or next week after the Olympics or whatever, it, it does appear that Putin intends to invade at least that's unless he can get significant concessions from the, the west why would he want to invade ukraine well there's a couple reasons first of all historically ukraine has been part of the the former ussr and so there's an historical claim to it secondly ukraine has warm weather ports which would give him access but on top of all that if if ukraine were to fall that would send a message to other countries in the area that the the west NATO US whatever isn't isn't going to support them and and I think that would like lay the groundwork for you know future action so you know who knows what's going to happen but if Putin invades you know we're on a whole different defcon level our number is 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line now you you hope you hope, hope, hope that cooler heads would prevail, because the last thing you need at this point in time is the Soviet Union, is, is Russia, you know, in invading an, an independent country. That's the last thing that you need. Of course, Putin did it with the crime with Crimea eight years ago, and the Obama administration let him get away with it. So you can understand now why he might feel that he's emboldened. But here's the deal, at least so far, the Biden administration has made it clear that we're not going to get involved in a shooting war over there. We'll supply some arms, but, you know, we're, we're not going to have troops on the ground in Ukraine to try to save them. We'll, we'll provide them some arms. That appears to be the policy of NATO. So here is my question. If this week, whether it's Wednesday or Friday or Saturday or whatever, if in the immediate future... These this worst case doomsday scenario plays out and that Russia does invade Ukraine. What do we do? 855-616-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Do we take the position where, oh, there's no vital U.S. interest or at least no direct U.S. interest? What do we care about the Ukraine? Let him take it. Do we reassess our, our policy about whether we're willing to get into a shooting war? I don't see Biden doing that, but I guess that's the option. Uh, do we impose every economic sanction that we could possibly think of, including shutting off Russia access that Russia has to many, many global markets, whether it's in Europe or in the United States. Would, would we do that? Now, that runs the risk of creating a, a global economic crisis, but do you do that? 855-616-1620, that's the accident mortgage talk and text line. If you're Joe Biden and diplomacy fails and Putin invades, what is our next step? We discuss in just a minute. 855-616-1620. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I, seriously, I do not think I am understating this by saying that this is the most certainly significant East-West conflict since the end of the Cold War. And if you listen to the president of Ukraine, he says he believes Russia is going to invade on Wednesday. Other people say Friday. Other people are still trying to halt to stop it. So the question is, if this does happen, what do we do? Here's a couple of texts before we get to the calls. Jeff, the average person doesn't care about Ukraine. We care about our own borders and the price of food and gas. Um, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, do we just look the other way and let Putin, I don't know, move on on this country? Jeff, my first thought is sanctions. But history has shown if sanctions work too well, the country being sanctioned could get very aggressive. Jeff, what we will do is obvious. We will impose economic sanctions that will hurt us more than it will hurt the Russians. Um, Okay, eight five five six one six one six twenty. leave it alone. What has Ukraine done for us? Jeff, sanctions to the max, shut them down, no room for dictators. Jeff, we should do nothing in Ukraine. It's not our war to fight. It's between Russia and Ukraine only. Well, it is true that Ukraine is not a member of NATO, so we have no obligations. We have no obligations to to intervene. Yes, the question is... And, of course, we didn't inter- intervene in, in Crimea. A couple of people, One person was texting saying, well, you took that dig at Obama. Well, uh, this is part of the problem. Obama looked the other way the last time Putin moved in in Crimea, and I think that unquestionably emboldened him, and now I think he understands that, that Biden, after pulling out in Afghanistan and being the vice president during the Crimea takeover, I think he understands or believes that he can roll Joe Biden as well. Jeff, we've got to put a stop to this now. You think he's going to stop at Ukraine? Um, this has got 1940s, Germany, written all over it. Well, it may be, but I guess the issue becomes, okay, is this this the right place at the right time? All right, let's start with Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ.
4: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Again, from like last week when we had this conversation, the United States enact sanctions, uh, reinforce NATO, uh, dig in with them provide support as much as possible, uh, support their their actions. But I think EU needs to take a uh, a more forefront role in all of this. It is their backyard. Um, We have been pivoting to Southeast Asia for the better part of 10 years now. We just did 20 years uh, in the Middle East fighting two fronts and all over the world, wherever terrorists were, were engaged with. So right now we've I believe that the EU should take the front lead on this, and we support them as much as we possibly can without putting boots on the ground.
1: Yeah, I don't think boots on the ground is a realistic option. I don't think there's any support or very little support in this country for getting involved in Ukraine over a shooting war in a shooting war with Russia. I just, I guess, I just don't see that as practical. But the effect of that probably means that Russia is going to steamroller U- Ukraine just like they did Crimea.
4: Right. It, it, you know what? When these things happen, anything is possible. When you look back through history, the way people positioned armies prior to World War II kicking off, it's just, you know, how you position your militaries throughout the world can inadvertently trigger uh, another front, another war somewhere else just because of the close proximity of all the other states in EU next to the Ukraine and Belarus and all that stuff. So hope to God it doesn't get out of control. I really do.
1: Yeah no thanks for calling no I, I agree completely I was actually reading a book on on on, on World War One just recently and it's just I mean that that's the same thing World War One started because you had all these countries that had mutual defense pacts and you know it just and then you had an incident that then escalated and escalated next thing you know you're we're looking at that I, I mean I, I don't think we're going to do that I mean I don't think there's enough national interest in ukraine to get involved in the type of shooting war what do i think has to happen well i, I think and I, I mean i just i question and i don't really disagree with what jeremy was talking about i mean to me that this is it's got to be a fight to the extent when i say fight i mean economic sanctions whatever that's that's led by by the countries that are over there uh, you know europe which for example you know um right now Germany has this ongoing relationship when it comes to like natural gas and stuff with Russia well alright if if as part of an effort to hurt Russia with sanctions that means that we have to provide figure out a way to provide more gas to Germany and stuff to make up for some of the stuff I, I think you know we have to be willing to do it I think you need to have a united front with regard to this and I guess I'm not sure whether the West is capable of of uniting, but I I do think that any economic sanctions that are there, you have to impose, and if that means creating some sort of potential disruptions by, for example, denying Russia access to uh, various bank accounts and credit lines and things like that they have in the West. I think that we have to be willing to do this. Jeff, sanctions got us into World War II. Well, no, Hitler got us into World War II. And Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor got us into World War II. Um, Jeff, this is not just about Ukraine. It could have ramifications with China and Taiwan, North Korea, Iran, etc. I think people that believe we should do nothing and say, Stay out of it. Are very short-sighted and don't understand the whole global ramifications. Well, that's that is a factor, and people understand. You need to understand. China wants Taiwan. China has wanted to take over Taiwan forever, and you got to know that China is watching this. And I guess the question becomes: You know what? What happens if Putin moves in and with little or no blowback? military or otherwise, he, he takes Ukraine. Is, is that a signal and a sign that, okay, if China wants to take Taiwan, that, that we're not going to intervene? And then, of course, I guess that raises the question, do we care about Taiwan? Do we care about Ukraine? What's the big picture? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Gianni and Montello. Gianni, you're on WTMJ.
5: Yes, Jeff. Uh, timely topic. Listen, um, excuse my naivete, but uh, I think this is all a ploy to destabilize the energy markets in the world and 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 keep oil and natural gas as high as possible because that is in fact what russia um relies upon Uh, you know they 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 produce a lot of energy and they produce a lot of weapons but um this is a way to to exercise um the the uh, military might of 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 of, of putin's uh, army and um I, I don't think it's in his interest to go in um there would be sanctions and, and, and there should be sanctions but it, it, it would it would further um complicate things for for an already struggling uh, russian economy so um I, I don't think he's going in i i, I called earlier and earlier um last year and i thought that that would be the case but now my money says that they don't cross the border and if, and if they do um, there, there will be uh, tens of thousands of russians and ukrainian soldiers that die and putin doesn't want that on his record he, he doesn't need that Look, Jen, so I, I think it's for, all for it's, it's it's all
1: no for, from your lips to god's ears because i i hope that's the case Now a couple of people are texting me saying what, what what's the deal with you ukraine why does russia want it well Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union before it collapsed at the end of the Cold War. It borders Russia to the the east, and so um, it, it kind of diminished Russia's superpower status. And I think part of it is Russia Russia wants wants that back. Um, in addition, I mean, Putin has been clear about wanting to reassert. Russia's influence over their their neighbors, which is why in two thousand and fourteen he annexed Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula. So you, you've got you, you've got that. It's this historical thing that, that's out there, you know. And and he wants it. And part of it is he feels that he can take it without any sort of significant uh, blowback. I just. I mean the thing with sanctions some people are suggesting well we don't want to do sanctions because sanctions could lead to an escalation you 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 can't allow this dictator just go in and, and take I don't think, take other countries, even though we don't have a direct relationship. This is one of the things through NATO. This is one of the things where I, I don't think we can act unilaterally. There has to be, you know, an agreement with Western Europe. But just un- understand that this is definitely a threat to Western Europe. So my response is, you know, if he moves in, you've got to impose as many sanctions as you possibly can. And if that Irritates Putin. Well, okay, it, it irritates Putin. You can't let this type of aggression, if it in fact happens, go unchecked. I hope Gianni is right. I, and I hope that this is just saber rattling and what Putin is trying to do is exert some sort of concession from the West um, without actually having to invade. Because I tell you, you know, Russian troops move across that border, and this becomes a shooting war, and you're talking about, whether it's sanctions or whatever, you're talking about a whole different type of hurt. Um, we, we should, I mean, who knows? There's no necessary timetable. But if it's going to happen, don't be surprised if it happens sooner rather than later. All right, when we come back, let's find out what John Mercure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.